0: Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. I'm Brad Watson with Jared Pickney, and today we're going to do a deep dive into the topic of abiding in Christ. And we also want to to talk through how to train your community, your missional community, in how to abide in Christ, uh, not just when you get together not just on Sundays, but Monday through Sunday. And uh, Jared, I'm really glad to be talking to you again. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing
1: well. I just finished a uh, Nature Valley XL protein Chewy bar, peanut butter, and dark chocolate. <laughs> 15 grams of protein. So I'm I'm feeling quite quite good. Fifteen grams of protein. Yeah, fifteen grams of protein. Yeah. Yeah, man. So did you just work out or yeah, I did. I work out uh every wow. uh Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an hour with one of our pastors. Wow. You couldn't tell by
0: looking, but we definitely go through week <laughs> week. So when you said we had to push it back a little bit, you were just really into your reps you were just pumping yeah, man
1: to be honest yeah i had a long i had a little bit longer lunch conversation with the missional community leader uh than i thought <laughs> and i just thought man i can't i can't shave off workout time so i'm just going to extend that and then push back the recording mm-hmm. thanks for flexible
0: oh of course well now that i know that i'm getting you right after you're getting all those endorphins firing <laughs> I understand why the podcast is so strong when you're on, because you're coming yeah, in high proteined up. Yeah. You know, you you coming in real hot. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. That's great. It's pleasure. Yeah, man.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> so Jared, uh just to dive in to the topic for today of abiding in Christ. I think, you know, in your lifetime, you're probably gonna have lots of books. There's lots of books inside. Of oh, you. yeah, absolutely. But one in particular that I'd love to see you write, we've joked about this, but but real serious, I'd love to see you write a short book on abiding in Christ. Uh, One, because I know that you do it. Uh, You're being around you, talking with you. I know that that's that's your your bread and butter you've made in your life is to abide in Christ. And then two, you're pretty unique because you're actually not one of those sort of strange (laughs) mystics who's like, we should just sit on the beach somewhere. And meditate on Jesus. And that's all we should do. But you're actually a combination of someone who abides in Christ, but you're also really driven by the mission of God and participating Mm -hmm. in that. So I love that. And then something that you've, you've shared with me before is that we'll never experience gospel saturation apart from an intentional spiritual formation. And so I just think that that's so true. That if we don't figure out how to abide in Christ, it's not just that we'll burn out, but it's, we won't have a fruitful gospel ministry at any level. So in lieu of you writing that book, uh, I just wanted to make today's topic about that. And so, uh, yeah, this, we can use this recording for your book. I know how to do it. I'll be your ghostwriter. You're
1: a fantastic writer. Lots of books out there. Yeah. Go to Amazon and Google Brad Waltz and your screen will blow up.
0: <laughs> or if you've read a really good book recently, I was probably the ghostwriter. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Back to abiding in Christ. Jared, what has been your journey like? So how have you come to this point where you're seemingly always pointing people back to how can you just rest and press into this relationship of abiding in Christ? How, how have you gotten to this point? What's your story?
1: First off, man, thank you for that kind introduction. It really does mean a lot to me. I think like for those who are wired like me, if you're listening like ENT, you know, ENTJ, high D, you know, top three on the Enneagram. Sometimes the reputation is like those guys are just all administrative, you know, and like programs and structures, and they're not really like Holy Spirit guys. Mm-hmm. So thank you for for pointing that out. Um, really is an encouragement to myself. Mm-hmm. I would say, man, as far as like the journey goes, yeah, I've been following Jesus for 14 years now. And for over the past 14 years, there's probably been a few key moments that I feel like God has used to remind me of my own need to abide in the vine, to use Jesus' words in, in John 15. And one of those moments came for me when I was 21 years old. I was serving as a college pastor, and uh, this is my first position in vocational ministry. And basically, what happened is I was talking to the, the lead pastor of that church I've been work for. And I remember he was just, I mean, super cynical. And negative. And, and one day I just asked him, I was mm. like, I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I just really wanted to, like, man, why are you the way you are? Basically, is what <laughs> I asked him. <laughs> to which he replied, uh, I'll never forget this. He says, If you've been in ministry as long as me, you'd be just like me. And I remember that moment, honestly, just like, please do not let that ever be true of my soul. Mm. Like, I mean, I can remember exactly, Brad, where I was sitting everything Mm -hmm. in that moment it was just like the god continues to replay that conversation and that scene over my mind and i think he does it as a way of reminding me like nobody starts out withered if that makes sense like in fact from my experience we all pretty much start out in ministry whether it's a paid position or lead a missional community we all start out pretty excited like we can't believe someone would actually Mm -hmm. like entrust us with other people and and actually listen to us talk about jesus and then Somewhere on the way, um, the excitement begins to wane, you know, over time, not overnight, but but over time mm-hmm. we we slowly just begin to wither.
0: That's so true that I think a lot of times when we read John 15, we imagine just some some uh vine withering instantly, you know, like they they just suddenly stopped abiding in Christ and so they wither instantly. But I think that's so true is that nobody starts off withered, but it's actually it's a whole bunch of micro choices that happen over time. And we slowly wither, and that's that's true, I mean, even as I've gardened and seen mm. plants, you know it's that's exactly how they work. You go back to them a week, two weeks later, and you're like, oh wow, this this thing is dead now 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 yep. I can see how it's withered away, uh, but why do you think that is? Why do you think we why do you think we wither?
1: Yeah, I mean I'm sure there's a ton of reasons right? I mean, like probably an endless list, but it seems like if I had to give my top three for me personally at least from from my vantage point. I would say, man, like honestly, like the iPhone, like it's totally underrated as mm-hmm. far as like how much damage that's doing to our soul. I mean, i saw a statistic yeah. just recently that said like the average millennial is spending five hours on their phone a day wow. and they're swiping their phone yeah. for an average of 2,670 times a day. Wow. Like, man, if, you, if you've read James, if you've read James K. Smith's book, You Are What You Love. Yeah. I don't know if you've, if you've read. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that whole idea of like every time you do mm-hmm. something, it does something to you. Right. I mean, think about that. Like, if you're swapping your phone 2,670 times a day, like, that's doing Mm. something. It's forming you into someone or something. Like, you're becoming a disciple probably more of Netflix or social media or whatever than you are of Jesus. And so, you know, what happens is, like, literally the iPhone becomes an addiction to where it's like, we want to read our Bible, but then we have all these emails and texts. We have to return Mm -hmm. your bite now, you know? Or we want to pray, but social media is just way more compelling. Yeah, And so, like, I think iPhones play a huge role in in, in the decline of our body. And I think we're, we're way too busy. Mm-hmm. Like, we're getting sucked into the tyranny of the moment. And for those who are, like, in ministry, you know, like, especially vocational ministry, like you and I, I mean, we're fighting just to keep our heads above water sometimes. I mean, for mm-hmm. those who are listening, maybe that that you're in ministry, I mean, you know, there's never a time where someone doesn't have cancer mm-hmm. Someone isn't doubting their faith. Someone isn't active act disobedience. By right. the well, I mean, it just feels like absolute chaos. And then like all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're driven by what all we have to do. We have to put a sermon in place to prepare or this teaching, or we have to go to this meeting or this leadership development. We have to read this book. We've got to this conference. We have budgets to balance. Right. And on top of all that, I mean, you've got a wife, you've got kids, you've got errands, you've got sports, you've got hobbies. Right. And then, and then you've got a missional community maybe to lead on top of all that. So mm-hmm. life is busy. No one's going to tell you like, hey, carve out time to abide <laughs> in the right? right. We're incredibly busy. And then I would say three is honestly as as success. Like some people would probably argue like suffering should be there. But I think in my experience, suffering drives me to God. Success continues mm-hmm. to drive me away from God because I begin to believe the lie that, you know what, I've been to seminary and, you know, I, I've been preaching now for quite a while and we've seen some results. So I think I can pull this mm-hmm. off without God. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Yeah. I would say, I don't know if you would add anything to that, but
0: that's, that's my three. Oh, I think that's so true. I think it's the combination of those three aspects, you know? And maybe sometimes it's, it's failure, not just success, mm. like failure. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we have this beautiful picture that like, man, if I would just, you know, screw up, instantly become poor and all this hard stuff would be happening in my life, then yeah, I would so abide man. with Christ. You know, like if I got diagnosed with cancer, then I would totally do it. But I don't think that that's actually the track record of humanity. Honestly, I think that in our busyness, after conditioning ourselves to turn to a whole bunch of other things instead of God, when the failures come, we turn to all those same things again. Absolutely. It's not just natural turn to God. And it's funny, the, the iPhone thing, I recently was just, my wife was out of town and I was just fed up by like how much I was looking at my email and my phone for just like sports Uh scores and stuff and so i gave my phone i got onto safari you can get on safari and change the settings on your phone of what your phone can access on the internet and so i made it to where all it could access was the saturate website and then our church's website and then i gave the phone to my daughter who's six years old to put punch in and create some new like security code so you can't change that and i have no idea what number she put in but now my phone is literally just a talking device and a texting device so that's all i can do on my phone now which is oh man it's been so beautiful but kind of to your point i spent like a week just randomly unlocking my phone clicking on on safari looking to like research some score or just like moving mm-hmm. my finger without any ability to do anything and so i think that's that's such a ever-present distraction from the things that matter most so i yeah. think yeah you're, you're totally
1: right um, i do think it's important to realize. so you're looking at the iphone about business talking about success failure you know i would say like kind of in that failures we just don't know how to in, in western society more than any other society we just don't have a a category, a good category, really a good theology around suffering and failure and how much God really totally uses it to make us like Christ. And then mm-hmm. I would say, because we live in an instant gratification culture, yeah. like, so you do pray and you don't see like instant results. You're like, oh, it mm-hmm. must not be working. Like, abiding in the vine, like, that's lame. Like, God's not here. Right. I'm moving on. Yeah. And we could talk mm-hmm. a lot more about that. But I think right. like, just to get back to your question about the journey, I mean, that was a big moment for me. I would say two other moments quickly is, is just, um, you know, whenever we hired um, Adam Breckenridge on here, which you know, means he's done a lot of work with the Enneagram, and, and he's really kind of helps us with a lot of spiritual formation stuff here at our church. When we hired him, he connected me to Richard Plass, um, who's become really just a spiritual director in my life. He meets with pastors all over, ministry leaders on just this idea of spiritual formation. And Richard had me take the Enneagram, and I remember my first meeting with him. He just said, look, man, if you don't learn how to slow down, and just be with Jesus, like you're going to have a heart attack within the next ten years, or you're going to blow up your family or your ministry.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, man. So that just really set me on the journey where I stumbled across this idea uh, of things like downstream and upstream practices as a way of of being with Jesus, and we could talk more about that. And then I would just say, finally, there's guys like John Mark Comer who basically have inspired me to read men like Dallas <laughs> Willard and Eugene Peterson and Richard Foster and Richard Rohr and some of these other, you know, contemplative spiritual leaders. And so Hmm. I would say that's, that's, that's all kind of
0: tied into the journey. Hmm. Those aha moments are so powerful. I I think for, for me personally, the first time I, I really recognized this powerful invitation from Jesus just to, just to rest and put all trust and, and priority and abiding in him was actually when my, my mother-in-law died. Uh, She died suddenly about nine years ago, uh, over nine years ago now. And I was in the midst of trying to help start a church, do on the side writing, leading missional communities in Portland, and going to seminary. I was actually in a seminary class, like an intensive three-day thing, because I was going to like knock out this, this course with actually Gary Brashears. And then... Uh, I got a phone call that my mother-in-law had passed away and my wife was traveling. She was in the Midwest. And I suddenly found myself as this young 24-year-old racing through an airport to try to connect with my wife and go through customs and get a visa to go to Brazil where my wife's mother lived. And uh, this whole series of events where it was just mm. so present before me that this was beyond my ability to do anything the confrontation with death and the people around me mourning realizing like there is no way I can be a savior in this situation. Uh, there's no way for me to even help like we had to do all sorts of legal things to in Brazil it was a bureaucratic mess and I didn't have the I, I'd never been to this country before I didn't know where to drive or the process like I was completely helpless. And it just sort of showed me really clearly like the only thing I could do and the best thing I could do and the only way to like really love my mm-hmm. wife was to actually abide in Christ as the only true source of life in, in kind of the face of death. And uh, I was given a picture uh, of what that was like later just as this a, a recurring theme of uh, me realizing I can't be the savior. And so a picture that's always really helped me has been from the Empire Strikes Back uh, Star Wars episode two or five, depending on who you are. But in that one, uh, Luke Skywalker is training with Yoda and that's when Han Solo, Chewie, C-3PO, all of them are in cloud city and they get captured by Darth Vader. He's training Luke's training with Yoda. He gets this vision that uh, they're all in danger. And so he leaves his training. He leaves Yoda to Fly to the city uh, where he goes, kind of full of this belief that not only could he single handedly break into the city and find them, but he could also rescue them from Darth Vader and literally hundreds and hundreds of stormtroopers. Uh, That's like his full belief. And then he arrives in the city just to realize that the whole thing was Mm. just a trap. And the only reason his friends were in danger was because of his predictable ambition to be the savior. Darth Vader knew that his ambition to be a savior would lead him there, uh, and that's the only reason his friends mm. were ever in danger at all. Mm. Like that's the only reason that's a story is because it was just so predictable. His own heart to play the hero, and that's what created their his friends' horror, really, and terrible uh, situation. If you know, if you can live within the Star Wars universe for a second. <laughs> But he arrives to that reality, and uh, and he realizes that it's a huge lie. That he can't save them, and that actually, his desire to save them is what destroys them, and it's what destroys himself. And I think that for me, from that that story, when my mother in law passed away, and it comes up over and over again, but it's just God destroying that lie for me, because when I see Jesus as a true Savior, He looks nothing like me. He has a power, an authority, a love a glory, a control that I don't have, not just to another degree, but just period. Like I just don't have that. Uh, I'm not God. I'm not Jesus. And so I I believe that when you abide in Christ, when you see Jesus with all his power and humility, his grace, his love, uh, the power to pull back death by stepping into death, I think we begin to see ourselves truly and see God truly. And then that's that, for me, at least, is whenever I've had an awareness of God, and that abiding in anything else begins to seem really silly and foolish and fake even even to go back to our past conversation, it's like, yeah. man, if that's true, like what are we doing with our lives, looking at a piece of like mm-hmm. plastic and glass designed in California and made in China? like what are we doing there? Everything else yeah. seems so foolish and silly and fake, and so Anyway, I've just noticed that when I'm most unhealthy, it's when I've lost sight of that. And then the things that I lead are most unhealthy too, because I'm abiding in those things. Like you said, my talents, my successes, my resources. And so, yeah, even honestly, I would say I've been in some of that as recently as last week thinking like, oh, if I just like buckle down and and do all this hard stuff, then like uh, I'm going to I'm going to win the day. I can save these other people. And so at least that that's my my journey kind of in a nutshell. Of No, man, that's fantastic, man. I think that
1: as you were talking, I mean, one of the things that it reminded me of was just how in my own life, I can begin to believe the lie that, yeah, that basically that I can do God's work apart from God's power. Mm-hmm. What I was reminded of just as you were talking just now is just the importance of remembering God can accomplish more in five seconds with ease and what I can, can accomplish in 50 years, mm-hmm. you know, and just like nonstop work. Yeah. And so just the importance of, again, I'm like, man, going back, abiding in the vine, like realizing like this is God's work, mm-hmm. not my work. The world needs Jesus. It doesn't need Jared, you know? Yeah. So good, good stuff, man.
0: <laughs> and that our existence are just a blip anyway, in eternity. So true. Uh, that's a lot of like our own stories and what it looks like personally, at least what it has in our lives. Uh, Jared, maybe you could talk just practically as a disciple, what this this kind of poetic view of abiding in Christ and abiding in the vine, uh, what does that look like practically for you as a disciple, kind of bringing it down to the earth?
1: Let me just say this. I mean, this is a podcast that's committed to gospel saturation, right? And so like we're seeking to saturate our cities with the gospel by being disciples who made disciples and so if we're going to do that we need to understand what a disciple is and when you look in matthew chapter four right you see jesus called the disciples come follow me and i will make you fishers of men hmm. and so if you were to break that down you could say that the goal of the disciples where you are their lives around three roles. go number one to be with jesus go number two to become like Jesus and go number three, to do what Jesus did,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, to use a Southern term, like you can't get the cart before the horse. Right. Like, yeah. and you were talking about it earlier, just this idea of like, we cannot, we'll never experience gospel saturation apart from spiritual formation. Right. Like mm-hmm. if we can't understand goal number one, which is to be with Jesus, like the rest of it's just not, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, this is why we've been building this, our whole church around this idea. I and mean, we've been realizing that we've been sending an unformed people out to form the culture and the culture has been eating them alive. Yeah. And so like, we've got to go back to the basics. I mean, you and I I think I've talked about this, but I mean, now like you are a radical Christian. If rather than like 89% of American society who wakes up and touches their phone or if we're touching your phone, you just like read a psalm and pray for five minutes. When you do that, like you're a varsity Christian now. All of a sudden that's <laughs> because like, nobody's been formed. Like, nobody understands the basics of how to divide yeah. and, divine and so like that's a great question it's very important in this whole conversation around saturating our shoes of the gospel through making disciples who make disciples right and so
0: mm-hmm.
1: i would say this as leaders when it comes to you know like if we want to lead our people and being with jesus like it's going to start with us mm-hmm. and so practically for me what it looks like and this is what works for me is I'm, I'm definitely more of a morning person than a night person i have to wake up early before my kids get up and spend time in silence and solitude and so what that looks like for me is if I'm going to get up before my kids, I need to probably be up by six at the latest. Okay. In order for me to feel like getting up at six, I've got to go to bed a little bit earlier. So mm-hmm. the, the battle actually starts the night before the fact that, you know, rather than saying I'm watching Netflix till 1030 or 1045, like I'm going to try to be in bed and asleep by 10 mm-hmm. if at all possible. And so I'm going to wake up at six. I'm going to brew a cup of coffee and I'm going to open the blinds and I'm going to pull out my Bible and I'm going to pull out a moleskin. I'm going to read a psalm, at least one psalm. But typically what I try to do is I will read like if today is the 15th of March, I read Psalm 15, then Psalm 45, then 75, mm-hmm. then 105, and then 135. And that's not new to me. I don't remember where I got that from, but I'll do that. You know, basically pick five chapters. I will read it. I'll you look know. for what jumps out to me. And really kind of even before I do that, by the way, is I, I just do kind of like a centering prayer. And so literally that's where I just take a deep breath. Uh, this mm-hmm. morning I did 10 deep breaths. And I, the whole point of that is I know God is with me, but I'm often not with him. Mm-hmm. So I just say like, God, I know you're here now. Help me to be here. Mm-hmm. I'll even start by like thinking about what I'm uh, feeling like physically or what I'm seeing or tasting. I'm mm-hmm. uh, just where my surroundings, my senses. And then I'll even think about them. Like what emotionally am I feeling right now? So fear this morning, I was feeling fear, hurt, anger, loneliness, And Mm -hmm. so I just begin to kind of take that before the Lord, before I even dive into the scripture and just kind of like speak that to him and just kind of do some listening prayer and see what he has to say about that.
0: Mm -hmm. Sometimes
1: I'll journal about it, but eventually I get into scriptures. I'll begin to kind of pray through kind of the way I approach scriptures. And I'm trying to get super practical here. Maybe some of this will be beneficial, some will not, but for me, what I do is I use kind of the acronym time for reading scripture. And so you start with the text, you immerse yourself in it. And so I've got two commentaries on the Psalms, but I can't remember the guys, uh, First name, last name is Kinder, K-E-N-D-R. And so I'll, you know, maybe immerse myself in a, in a, a, a verse that jumps out to me by reading deeper in that commentary um, or just kind of meditate. I don't know if you were to look at me like walking while I was reading the Bible. There's a lot of times the Bible is <laughs> going to be on my lap and I'm going to be kind of like looking up hmm. like somewhere else because I'm, I'm thinking about it. Does that make yeah. sense? I'm really meditating on it, chewing on it. So that's the immerse, uh, the is the ministry. And so like, hey, Holy Spirit, like what ministry are you wanting to do to my own soul? Mm. Or maybe what ministry you call me to in light of this, what I need to repent of, what needs to be changed, or what conversation to be having with my wife, or maybe some of my mission community, or another pastor, or whatever. And then the E of that acronym time is, is in power. So I pray over that. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm praying for God to kind of to put the power behind that. And then apart from that morning routine, and that's just what works for me. You know, I mean, that's probably, by the way, all of that's going to go within probably like a 30 to 45 minute range so for mm-hmm. those who kind of trying to wrap like how long does that take um, <laughs> it's about 30 or 45 minutes for me and then i'm doing things like i'm setting reminders in my phone i need that and mm-hmm. so you know at like 11 30 basically reminded of my need for salvation it's mm-hmm. kind of like you know just man i need god you continue to save me at five it's thanking god for the mundane stuff of life mm-hmm. i'm about to go back into my home and wrestle with my kids and change no. diapers and get baths and do things that, you know, it's easy to, like, take for granted. And then at 9.15, I have another reminder on my phone that's just basically a time of seeking forgiveness, you know, of, like, stopping and hmm. confessing, you know, things to the Lord, like, areas where I just kind of took off without Him hmm. that day, or where I was believing lies, and then just feeling forgiveness, you know, hmm. and rest. I was about to go into that, knowing that I am forgiven accepted. And so, um and then on top of that, man, there's just... You know, I think like it's really important for me to you know, I'm involved in a fight clubs, so milk on DNA groups to where I'm confessing my sin regularly. That's important for me. Social media fasts are really important for me. Yeah, that's an upstream practice actually. Putting my phone away after dinner is important for, for us. So we put our phone away, turn it on silent. So we're not just, you know, that's that whole addiction to the iPhone deal. And then, one of the things that I'm even trying to do with our our staff is once a week, we all go to a cemetery here in town hmm. um, where we're reminded, honestly, of just like how short our life is hmm. and how like, insignificant we really are in the grand scheme of things hmm. um, and that there's an eternity to wait and that what we're taught, what we're doing here has eternal value. And then we just pray together
0: wow. um,
1: as a staff. So that's some of the practicality of what it looks like for me.
0: That's awesome. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, thank you for sharing even in in such detail because I think that those details are often what uh, a lot with lack of detail is when we begin to hear lies like, well, they're just super spiritual people, you know, Jared and Brad just have their, mm-hmm. their act together because I don't even know what that would look like. And so I think giving people details like that is super helpful. So yeah, so glad that you went there and, and yeah, I'll just add that that that's pretty kind of similar to me <laughs> in so many ways i think we're we kind of have a lot of the the same letters and numbers and all of that but yeah. i think something that has really helped me is some weekly rhythms i try to go every monday morning after i drop off my daughter at school is i drive and it took me a while to find it in la but i have found it recently is i drive out to where there's some hiking trails And I leave everything in the car and I just walk on these trails for about an hour one way and then an hour back. And so I just try to take deep breaths. And it's important that I do this on Monday because I normally come into weeks just filled with like, oh, there's so much I got to do. There's so much I got to do. And I'm always tempted every Sunday night, I'm tempted to say, okay, I'm just going to wake up early, I'm going to go somewhere and work. And that's always the temptation. And so just resisting that on Monday mornings to say, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to go somewhere and just hike and walk. And uh, yeah, here it's actually pretty sweet. I get a, uh, just the other day, this last Monday, I got to go on this hike where I just stared at the ocean, like the whole time the fog was kind of rolling in mm-hmm. and just the vastness of it. And it's kind of the, the way that I try to give myself an extended time Of vulnerability with God and confession, and just sharing where my heart is, what, how I'm trying to approach the, the weak, and just asking God to, to reinform all of that. And so that's at least a a particular thing for me to do. My wife is the biggest encourager of that happening, which is always really good. So, oh, absolutely, man.
1: And I think that's because, by the way, just side note, like your spouse, and those around you can tell if you've been abiding or not.
0: Mm hmm. Totally. And so, yeah, that's uh, at least briefly, there's a lot more to be said, and you'll write it in your book, <laughs> Abiding Like Sabin or something. But it's
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> a great title.
0: Now I want to write it. So, that's at least briefly what it means to be a disciple who's abiding in Jesus and what it can look like and why we think this is important. So, kind of the crux of this, too, though, becomes how do we equip people? as leaders to do that? How do we equip people within our communities? There are a lot of missional community leaders out there, a lot of pastors, lay pastors who are thinking, okay, that's cool. But then how do I train up people to live in this way? Well, I mean, this is incredibly simple.
1: There's no rocket science to it. But I think like it starts with, you've got to teach on it, Mm -hmm. right? Like literally like teach on like practically how to abide in the vine. Like here's why we do it. You know, always, what does the Simon Sinek say, right? Like people don't buy what you do, but why you do it. And So mm-hmm. as always give the why behind the abiding. And then like literally, like you've got to build out space where people can practice how to abide in the vine. So you teach on things like prayer. Um, here's why we pray. Here's what prayer is. Here's what prayer isn't. Like, you know, here's how we pray. And then like literally like give them space to practice prayer And so like for us, as, as we're, you know, if you're not a pastor, maybe you can even share this with your leadership in a very humble way, or if you are a pastor or something I would encourage you to do is begin to build out literally like sermon series for those of you that have Sunday gatherings to where Mm -hmm. um, you teach on these things. Right. And then like we actually literally have discussion guides the way this looks for us. We have discussion guides that go with our sermons. We do it three times a year. And then we have these discussion guides basically that go with the sermon that helps people practice what we've been teaching throughout the week. And then they come back together and kind of brainstorm that uh, or kind of, you know, brainstorm and, and give feedback into kind of how that went, how it didn't go, that sort of thing. And so, and one of the things we did for our folks too, that's been really, really helpful. And you can actually grab this resource off saturate. I think Brad, you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but that's right. We built out uh personal spiritual formation plans that are unique to uh, your personality type. A lot of kind of what the Enneagram says. And so if you're not, familiar on that, you can go and listen to one of our podcast episodes earlier. We talked about the Enneagram and how it's a tool for our spiritual formation. And so um, we built out specific plans that give you upstream and downstream practices that are unique to your personality type. And by upstream and downstream practices, mm-hmm. I mentioned this earlier, a downstream practice is a spiritual discipline that that will energize you. Okay, kind of this practice that will energize and just bring you life in the moment and immediately just like stir your heart towards Christ. And then an the upstream practice is something that's kind of hard and maybe awkward, maybe even a little bit scary, and it hits you where you're weak, and both are necessary because one of them brings you life pretty much right out of the gate, hmm. and the other one hits you where you're weak, so it keeps you from being lopsided, right? It keeps you from being that that guy at the gym who only works out chest and never works out his legs <laughs> because his legs are weak, right? And those like things he's going to topple over. So um, these are just things we've built out for our people and just kind of keep it on the radar, man. Yeah. Just walk with them through it. Don't take anything for granted. Don't assume anything. um, And just walk with them through these practices.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's such a good idea. And just to add to how do we equip people to do this, I'd say one is to be an example. It's hard even to do what you were just saying, to teach on this or be a tour guide in a country we've never been ourselves. And I think people... Uh need uh, examples of that. And even as we were talking about our our spouses and the people close to us being real great cheerleaders for us to abide in Christ, because they can tell if we've done it or not. It's actually a primary way in which we lead our families. It's a primary way in which we lead our missional communities is by being an example of someone who is learning to to follow Jesus Mm -hmm. in this way, where our life with God is a priority. And so I think that's, that's a huge piece uh, because then you can invite people into to doing what you're doing or you at least have the questions to help them. Maybe getting up and following the time acronym that you mm-hmm. laid out, Jared, isn't going to be great for yeah. everybody. But at least as you, know, as you struggle as a leader to figure out what will work, you learn how to ask the right questions to help other people kind of unlock uh, how they will do it and it'll be beneficial for them. So I think that's a big piece as a leader. Um, Even if you're a missional community leader, you might take this podcast and then say, Oh, great, I can't wait to just jump in and like tell people what they need to do. That could be great, but you can just bring yourself in as a learner too and say, Hey, let's all learn how to do this together as you become an example. And then there are just a few other things that I think really equip people to do this well, and that's uh, practicing together. I think often we make our spiritual lives a private affair, we make mission public, we make Family public and justice public. It's like a thing that we're all doing. But then when it comes to abiding in Christ, it's a private thing. And so I would just encourage people to make it a public communal practicing. In Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, A Life Together, uh, it's actually a book on communal spiritual disciplines. A lot of people just love the introduction, <laughs> but the rest of it's like, uh, how do you practice prayer and reading the Psalms and confession as a group of people, not As an individual. And so I think we need to recapture an imagination for communal spiritual disciplines. And I think that might begin by practicing listening to Jesus in prayer and reading the scriptures together, where we, you know, read a psalm and just kind of sit quietly. I think there's a great opportunity even to to bring people with you as you go, if you go on a little walk to as a community carve off time, one of our communities here in LA did this recently, where they carved off a morning where they all met, and what did this hike to this top of the hill where they could overlook the city. And they just said, on the way up, we're going to listen to what God might say. And then at the top, we'll share what God said Mm -hmm. to each of us. And we'll just try to listen to the spirit. And then Maybe that'll edify us, and then we'll come back down and and say, "How are we going to walk away from this, uh, following Jesus differently?" So I think many ways to learn how to do that, but I I think it's it's huge piece, Uh, not just studying the Bible for information, but but listening to Jesus. I think another great way to learn how to do this is to practice Mm -hmm. confession together, and just make it a regular rhythm where even with a whole diverse group of people, you can just sort of declare. Yeah, this is what I'm actually believing about God. It's 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 not true. I just want to confess that as a sin and 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 mark off times where you can do that in a in a safe spot and then walk out repentance and faith together. A lot of times we also make that a private affair, but to abide in Christ must somehow begin with saying, I won't abide in anything else, but I will abide in Jesus. I'll behold Christ. And even as you shared earlier, Jared, you know, primary goals of disciple is to to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, to, you know, lead other people to Jesus. We become like Jesus by beholding him and looking to him. And so I think doing that together and repentance and faith and worship, not even just singing songs, you don't have to like get a guitar player for your missional community or anything. Uh, You totally can. But it might just look like randomly sitting around together and saying, man, what do we like about God? And just sort of saying that together. And I think those are at least some communal practices that that totally can shape and equip people in how to abide in Christ. It's when we do it together, it becomes more normal. Like, wait, I could actually set a timer in my phone and once a day, like, confess yeah. my sins to God. I could totally, like, once a day, like, pray and listen to God. I, I've learned how to do it with the group. I think... What we do too often is, and and this would be foolish in any other endeavor, like if you took just a a soccer team, say, hey, everybody needs to learn how to dribble and shoot and pass in your closet at home. Mm -hmm. And then when you really figure out how to do it, we're going to come together and we're going to like knock it out of the park. It's actually the opposite. It's like, well, we're going to learn some stuff and practice together. And then you're going to go home and you're going to keep practicing but you're going to be practicing what we learned together when we were together. So I think that's at least for me, it has been an effective way to equip people in this. Yeah. I think that's,
1: it's good man. Like it's something we all need to remember, make sure that when we're seeking to abide in Christ, that it's not just a personal endeavor, but that it's a communal effort. Right. And so like mm-hmm. talk about space with your missional community and your, you know, accountability group process, how this is going right. And how we're doing what's, mm-hmm what's hard, what's encouraging, what do you feel like you're moving forward, what do you feel like you're learning, Where do you feel like you need help, all for the purpose of accountability and, and gospel encouragement. So good stuff, man.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, just to, to wrap it up, I just want to remind everyone kind of how we began that this is missional. It's not a, a resting from the mission because you can do either or. But actually, it's we will never see gospel saturation if we don't intentionally focus on our spiritual formation. Like, how are we going to grow in Christ? And that is so attractive and potent. Uh, my most fruitful evangelistic seasons have been the same seasons that I was learning the most on how to just delight in God. And it's not an accident. And so uh, just a few resources to point people to at Saturate. I wrote and then Jeff uh, really directed uh, the creating of a a small group uh, study guide. It's called Making Space. Uh, It's about how to carve out time for what really matters most. It's kind of a look at Proverbs on how do we practice a life in which we've made space for God first and then for important relationships and so on. Uh, We also have a cool new resource on silence and solitude. Even as Jared and I talked about that, you might have thought, What the heck is that? Uh, So if you just go to Saturate and you type in silence and solitude, it'll be a a little guide on how to how to set apart 30 minutes, an hour on practicing that. Uh, Also, uh, the Enneagram tool that Jared mentioned is a great way to to start. So you can just go to Saturate and search Enneagram and that will pop up. Uh, That'll do it for our podcast today. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, It's our deep prayer that this will just be an encouragement to you to press in even more and more into knowing God. It's quite the the purpose that we have in life to know the creator of the universe that loves us deeply. Uh, As always, send us questions via social media or email. And uh, if this podcast has been helpful at all, please share it with others. Leave us a review online. Uh, We would just love to continue to share the gospel and be cheerleaders for uh, everyday disciples who are making disciples in the place that God has them. Thanks for joining us. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.